Hey, welcome church. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at Bethany North. Uh, Super glad to be with you today. Our fourth message in this Lenten series. And our title today is called this. What gives your life purpose? What gives your life purpose? Our Lenten series, which is the time before Easter, we've been looking at the Israelite story of wandering in the desert for 40 years, told primarily in the book of Exodus. And we've been using that as a framework for what it's like in 2021 as a Christian in this season as we're preparing ourselves for the celebration of Easter. And so today in the story, we've reached Exodus 20, the place where Israel is before Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai is the place where God delivers his commandments. God has brought Israel through the Red Sea. And God doesn't, you know, lead them to the straightest route to the promised land. No, God has led them through the wilderness. Uh, And here today at the base of Mount Sinai is where the story takes place, where God gives the Ten Commandments. Now, most Americans would have heard of the Ten Commandments. However, in a recent survey, the average American could name the ingredients to McDonald's Big Mac more than the Ten Commandments. So no matter your time as a follower of God, you've likely heard of the commandments, but what are they again? Like if we really think about them, like what are they? I'm waiting. You at home. I mean, there's uh, don't kill, don't steal. There's one about your neighbor's wife, maybe. I mean, the Ten Commandments are hard to memorize, but more than just rules, it's like God saying, here are ways to stay engaged in my story. Like, I don't want to just give you rules, says God. I've been feeding you manna and daily bread. I've given you what you need. I've brought you out of slavery. And I'm saying to you, my people, says God, these are ways we can stay close And I love that perspective on the commandments. They're not ways to earn God's love, but reminders on how to stay close to his heart. The Ten Commandments, where at one point, probably most Americans could name them, but that's not really the point. God is less concerned with our our reciting uh, scriptures and more concerned with how we live these words. So the commands are God's words of how to stay close to him in desert times. It's like God whispering through today's text, I've taken you away because I want to see you. I want us to see each other. Have you ever done something outrageous to show your capacity to love? Well, I've got an outrageous love story. I don't know if I've told you this one before, but about my first date with my now wife. I do say now wife because you need to know how the story ends. Um, I had asked her out and on our first date on the phone, I called her and I said, it's gonna be the best date of your life. Who says that? It was out of my insecurity or out of my need to her to accept me, but I just wanted to say, I wanna spend time with you. And so it was a double date. We went bowling, we ate Chinese food, and then my buddy. Buddy and I took our dates. We blindfolded them to drive them outside of town to a waterfall. We put them in a van, no less, in the back of my van in February in Spokane. Like as a father of four, now if any of my kids dated like that, I'm like, no, not a good idea. Run the other way. But we took them outside of town to this waterfall and there was a blanket and there was dessert there because I wanted to show a capacity for relationship. Now, the world's changed since 25 years ago. If you're a young person listening today, no blindfolds, no vans, let's be honest. But the point of the story is in today's text, God says, I want to show you my capacity to see you, to know you, to pursue you. 
And so churches, we listen today. I want to challenge you before we even start, not to hear these commandments as like rules for God to somehow accept me. No, because remember for the people of Israel, they've seen God's miracles. They've experienced loss together. They've seen God's incredible provision. God has brought them through the water and now he's giving us his words in order to guide them when they're in wild places. And so when we get these words today, they're words of a covenant, of a relationship that God has already established to be relentlessly for them. And so for the next two weeks, we'll be looking at the Ten Commandments. Um, there, 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 are, there are ways to engage the heart of God, the God who's for you, the God who loves you. That, that's just flowing through today's text. And there's a core question undergirding today's text. What gives your life purpose? What gives you life purpose? Not just your stated purpose, but if you are audit your schedule and your, your time and your spending and what brings you joy, what gives your life purpose? And is that found in God? See, the purpose of your life will be found when you find your identity in God and your life resembles your ultimate authority. Let's look here at a very first cursory thing. Everybody worships something. Everybody worships something something. We're going to start very simply. Look at verse 1 of Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words. God spoke all these words. Let's stop right there. We're at Mount Sinai. God looks down and he says, I want to say some things to you. God sees them and God speaks over them. It's, it's incredible because God manifests himself in power. And it's the God that spoke then is the God that speaks now. God says, you know, before I just even give you rules for relationship, I want you to know my heart. And I want you to know how to follow me. See, the Bible will, will, will try to root out anything that's an idol before God himself. See, and God wants to be honored as, the, as our ultimate authority, and so God spoke these things over the people of Israel. He's saying, I want you to find your identity in me, your purpose in me. I don't want you to pursue things that aren't God. And anything that becomes a God to us is an idol. Idols really are good things, but we've made them godly things. We've elevated things beyond where they're intended. It's nothing, often not bad things, but things that don't belong in our ultimate place of authority. That's what idolatry is, when you love something else more than you love God. And it's easy to say, well, not me. I'm not, I'm not like Israel. I'm not like, but we need to challenge ourselves. There's this great quote by author Tim Keller, pastor, who says this, an idol is something that we look to for things that only God can give. If we look to some created thing to give us meaning and hope and happiness that only God himself can give, it will eventually not deliver. It'll break our hearts See, to practice idolatry, says Keller, is to be a slave. And so today's text comes right out and asks, what gives our life purpose? Like, is our purpose defined by God? Because an idol gets created when things are more important than God in our lives. And so there's these questions we must ask ourselves. Are there things that are so central and essential to my identity that life weren't, wouldn't be worth living if that was taken from me? In other words, we ask ourselves, who is our God? Is it culture? Is it others' expectations? Is it our health or our money or even our family? All good things, but not God. See, I want you to hear me, church. Everybody worships something. 
And so we need to start with this just authenticity and name the things that are becoming idols if we can ever become free of them in our lives. We don't have to be slaves. God's saying, name what hurts so that I can heal you. Name what hurts so I can heal you. Recently, I had a tooth pain. I've been having it for months. And so I went to see my, doc, my dentist, a godly man. And he said, well, we need to test your tooth. I'm like, sounds good. It's been hurting. Let's get this thing, let's get it tested. He's like, we'll do the endo ice test. I said, sounds interesting. He put some uh, icy spray, like nitrous oxide, and he, he touched my cavity. And oh my gosh, I, I like flew out of the chair. The dentist wasn't judging me. He was saying, your decay must be cleaned out. And, and church spiritually, our decay must be cleaned out. Everybody has a God. Let's, let's just name the things that have become in front of God himself. So that number two, the reality is you love what you follow. Or another way of saying this is you follow what you love. Look at Exodus 20 verses two through five. I'm the Lord you God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. See, God keeps reminding them the Ten Commandments aren't about behavior. They're essentially about identity. He says, I'm the Lord who brought you out of slavery. And can I just get an amen at home? Like, did God bring you out? He did. God's like, I brought you out. So before God tells us to do anything, he reminds us again, your identity is in who I say you are. God says, I go first. I did the work over you. I am the Lord, your God. I will make you free. Don't fall for false gods. And so then he says, don't make these idols that will will clog you up and and keep you enslaved. And so I wanna give you some examples, real life examples that I wanna share uh, of what idols are that, that get kind of in the way of worshiping God in our lives. And before I do that, I just want to ask you this question that you would ask of, you, of yourself. What do you live for? Like, where do you spend your attention pursuing these false purposes? It, the reality is, is that anything that gets in front of God himself becomes an idol. And so here are some examples. Some, some examples. Here, here's a first example, money. See, the Bible has lots to say about money and about value, but God says you'll become a slave if money becomes your God. Or how about this, success? See, my life will only have purpose if I look a certain ways in the eyes of others. It's an idol. Or happiness. My life will have purpose if I take the right vacations, accrue the right stuff, feel the good emotions all the time. See, Jesus spoke about joy, but God also knew pain too. Or sex. My life will have purpose if I have physical gratification on my terms and my control. Now, scriptures hold up the beauty of intimacy, but it makes a lousy God or power. My purpose will be if I work for and have control over my life, power over others and have a great work life. See, there's more, relationships and even religion or pain. We can fashion idols out of any experience or any gift and try to align our lives around it. But let's just pause for a moment See, my hunch is something I just said was like an endo ice test in your heart. Like I just named some kind of raw spot. And so we'll go gentle. But this is why this is so important. It's so important because none of us thinks in our head, hmm, I think I'll make an idol out of my worldly success. No. But if we're not careful, these things can drive us. They can have a false purpose in us. 
And so it's our desire to name our idols in order to reinstall God as the ultimate purpose in our life. And our purpose gets formed out of those things that we love, where we take a a good thing and we make it an ultimate thing. Because we love what we follow or will follow what we love. And so, church, I'm asking you in the middle of the wilderness to root out those things that enslave you. Remember God spoke those words over you. I brought you out. Don't let yourself be controlled again. I came to set you free. I came, says Jesus, that you would have a life, that you would have love and spirit inside of you. And only God as the ultimate authority can give us that kind of life. See, deeper than behavior, God says, I want to destroy the idols that will choke out your real identity. And our our tendency is like, all right, well, let's fix it. Let's do more spiritual things. Let's like, let's fix this thing. But I I want to call you deeper than just behavior. This is not about behavior modification. See, the danger for us as the church is to preach behavior, but God wants our hearts. He wants relationship. He wants to be our God, not just behavior change. I mean, years ago, I'll tell you the story. Heather and I were getting ready to sell a house and, you know, realtors came over like, you got to do some work in your backyard. And our backyard was uncared for. There was an idol at the time of lazy gardening in my backyard. And so as we went to sell the house, it's like, quick, let's, let's make it beautiful. Let's fix it. We, let's, let's hide the root issues. We hired landscapers who ran weed eaters over the weeds. We got flowers and put beauty bark down. Poof, it looked beautiful. See, but we didn't deal what was under the soil. And within a couple weeks when the house didn't sell, the weeds came back faster and bigger than ever before. Do you ever feel like that? Like I've tried praying, I've tried changing. See, I want God on the throat of my life and I've tried to fix the behavior. Well, church, let's go to this final slide here where purpose is possible. Purpose is possible. This is where our freedom will come from. Purpose is possible. Look at verse five and six. I'm the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God, punishing the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Now just a word, God is jealous. We we don't have a great translation of that Hebrew word. A better word is God is zealous. He's longing for us. He's fighting for us. And God is calling us to 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 serve him how do we how do we fix this how do we fix those raw spots those cavities those weeds under the soil worship worship is the only way to destroy false idols in our life you can't just remove idols you need to replace them and see by putting our hearts on jesus we can put to death those idols and put christ back onto the throne of our hearts really worship yeah That's why we pursue God as the ultimate authority. It's so key for us as followers of God. We we do this in prayer. We do this as we sing. We do this as we serve. We do this in Christian community. Worship is the only way to make God the center of your purpose. See, church, you were created to worship. All will worship. What are you worshiping? You ever wonder this? In the Bible, in the New Testament, Paul would often remind people who they used to be. 
It's like Paul used to, you know, he's like, you used to be sinners. He does this in a number of places. Ephesians 2, 1 Corinthians, Titus 3. Like, listen to this from Titus 3. He wants us to know who we used to be. Paul says this in Titus 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient. We were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, and we hated one another. This is who we are. And it's like, Paul, why do you keep bringing this up? Let it go, Paul. Let it go. Why does he do this? Because for Paul, he's saying, if you don't remember what enslaved you, you won't be able to experience God's freedom. Paul needs to remind us of our previous slavery in order to encourage us of the freedom that awaits if you follow God above the idols that want to enslave you. And so as you hear the rest of Titus 3, hear the rest of Titus 3. This is who you were, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life life. But God, it's incredible. He saved you. I I have to like slow myself down. I want to jump through the camera and enter your living room right now. He has saved you. And God promises to show his love to a thousand generations, the text says. A thousand generations for those that want to love me back thousand generations. Do you know how long a thousand generations is? In the Bible, it's generally regarded a generation is about 38 years. So a thousand generation is 38,000 years ago. Do you know what the earth was like 38,000 years ago? It was the stone age. So God's like, if you love me, if you put me as the ultimate authority, I will be with you for forever. And that's where the freedom comes from. Not when we're pursuing different behavior, different idols, when we name our brokenness in order to be set free. We are set free in order to follow. Come out from those places of slavery, says God. Come out. And you're like, all right, Scott, well, what do you struggle with? I'll name it for you, church. Control and approval. Man, it all comes down for me to kickball. Kickball? Really? Yeah, kickball. L.P. Brown Elementary. West Olympia. Man, I remember the recess, like kickball games, and there would be two captains. You remember that? And it's like, huh, you know, and the captains would look like, who are you going to pick first? And everything in my bones wanted to be chosen. I wanted to be picked. I wanted to be believed in. Often I would rush to try to be a captain because I'm like, well, if I do the picking, I'm going to pick myself, right? I mean, it's a slave, And if you don't know what the slave owner does to you, you won't be able to know your freedom. And I don't use that word slave owner lightly. Like in a racialized society, it's like, whoa, Scott, you really want to use slave owner? I do. It's why it's so dangerous when the American church has denied that racism is an issue. Because the things we deny want to stay in power over us. So we name the idols in order to kick them to the curb. And we say, God, will you set us free to follow you? Will you set us free? 
We name our raw spots. We name those places that are vulnerabilities. We name that which we hunger for. We name that thing that we crave sometimes more than God himself. And from that place of hunger, God says, all right, now you're ready to really be free to follow me. Everybody follows something, but we want to follow God. God as the captain of our kickball team. Only God can set us free. Only God can be the leader of our lives. Only God can take you from what you were to who you really are. And church, hear me carefully. The purpose of your life will be found when you find your identity in God and your life resembles your ultimate authority. So let's pray to know his purpose and become the, the focus for us in this, in this wild time. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this message from Exodus 20, this surprising message about identity as we learn about the commandments. Lord Jesus, help us be aware of those places where at times, God, they become idols for us. Every one of us watching, every one of us listening, every one of us, we've got a different idol. We're different. And none of us are better than the other. That's who we were. That was our previous fleshly experience. So God, we name that there are things that want to become idol in each and every one in our lives. But God, you are the author and perfecter of our salvation. God, you are the one who set us free. You are the one that spoke to Israel in the wild places and you're speaking over us now. And so God, wherever your people are hearing this message today, may they hear you speaking again. May your Holy Spirit speak truth into broken relationships, speak truth into hurting lives, speak truth over lonely people. And God, those places that have become idols, God, we do that out of our pain, not out of even a desire to be disobedient. So be merciful again with us, Jesus. We know you will be. You are the good father. And God, you have promised to establish us in faith for a thousand generations. So may it be so, Jesus, not by our strength or our obedience, but by your power and and, and just love and commitment for us. We love you, God. In your great name we pray, amen. Church, I don't know where you are right now, but if you're able, I want you to stand up off your couch, off of your rocking chair, off wherever you're watching this and stand with us and let's close in worship. Let's sing together.